Hello, 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 and welcome to Capital Musings, UNCDF podcast, where we focus on fresh ideas that make finance work for the poor in the least developed countries. I'm Eduardo Tanchoni, your host, and you can find Capital Musings on your preferred streaming platform or directly on our dedicated website, podcast.uncdf.org. The theme of this season is the road to Doha, in line with the fifth UN conference for the least developed countries. It just concluded its first phase last month in New York on the 17th of March, where the draft program of action, the Doha program of action, was adopted. The second half of LDC 5 is going to take place next year in March 2023 in Doha, Qatar where member states were gonna to discuss about implementing and means of implementation for the Doha program of action itself. Within the Road to Doha season, we have a mini-series called Deciphering Doha, where we look into the different parts of the Doha program of action and we try to discuss its content and see possible pathways forward that us as development practitioners we may partake in over the next decade for the LDCs and with the LDCs. Today, we're going to be discussing the fifth chapter. The fifth chapter is very, very important, especially nowadays, as it entails climate change, how to address it, and how to help LDCs adapt to climate change to make sure that no one is left behind, especially in rural areas. The Doha Program of Action recognizes the importance of recovering from COVID-19 pandemic and building resilience against further shocks for risk-informed sustainable development. So we're not only, we have a direct reference to something that really shocked and that is also been a catalyzer for understanding the need to strengthen our systems and making sure that in order to safeguard our own populations, we had to have shock-responsive systems that meet their needs, especially during uncertain times. And there's a way of describing that, especially when it comes to the people themselves. And we call it resilience. And um, the Doha Program of Action really looks into how we can build up and strengthen in LDCs, their resilience to these kinds of shocks. The Doha Program of Action recognizes the vulnerability and the disproportionate effect that climate change, environmental degradation and other natural hazards may have on least developed countries themselves and recognizes as well the fact that some countries have adopted good practices in addressing these effects, including the installation or use of early warning systems, adaptation solutions in key sectors such as agriculture and for security, also health infrastructure and ecosystems, and also uh, forecast-based financing as well as integrating climate change disaster risk considerations in development planning and comprehensive risk management approaches, and lastly, sustainable management of natural resources. It also takes stock and refer to the Paris Agreement, as well as the recent convention held in Glasgow with the Glasgow Climate Pact, 
held in uh, late 2021 related to loss and damage, including resolving to strengthen partnerships between uh, developing and developed countries, phones and technical agencies and civil societies and communities to announce the understanding of how approaches to avertly minimizing and addressing loss and damage can be improved whilst urging developed country parties to the framework conventions and others to provide an additional support for addressing loss and damage associated with the adverse effects of climate change. There's then a direct reference to COVID-19 pandemic and its consequences from a health, economic and social dimension, especially when it comes to harnessing and emphasizing inequalities in the peoples of the LDCs and how this shock, this pandemic, has further highlighted the need for multilateral cooperation, unity and solidarity to protect public health and to prepare for and respond to health emergencies going forward. There's also recognition of a new joint initiative from some of our fellow UN partners called One Health that encompasses the World Health Organization, the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, FAO, as well as the World Organization for Animal Health and the UN Environment Program to recognize the interconnectedness among the health of humans, animals, plants, and the shared environment, and how we must develop joint and comprehensive approaches and solutions to make sure that all these different facets are fully embedded in our design and in our programming going forward. There's also a reference to something very important when we talk about shock responsiveness, preparedness and resilience to risks and largely disaster risk reduction. And what I'm referring to is the Sendai framework from 2019. There's also reference to the reports of disasters losses when it comes to the Sendai framework for disaster risk reduction targets, where least developed countries were found in 2019 to account for 48% of livelihood disruptions, 30% for deaths, and 17% of economic losses. Although they combined GDP amounted to only 1% of the total and they combined populations were only 18% of the global population. So there's a recognition how the COVID-19 pandemic has not only exposed but mostly amplified LDC's high degree of vulnerability and the risks of cascading crises and what they mean for the most vulnerable. So we need to ensure that these risks associated by and with economic downturn and the resulting economic downturn from the pandemic itself adversely affect the implementation of major agreements that we already discussed, including the Paris Agreement, the 2030 Agenda and the Sendai Framework for Disaster Risk Reduction, as well as the ability of countries, especially LDCs, to adequately respond to the adverse impacts of climate change and environmental degradation. There's also a concern on the ability 
of the LDCs to respond to these constraints, especially given their limited fiscal space and resilience capacity as to how to address the COVID-19 pandemic and foster sustainable recovery. So investments related to climate change adaptation and disaster risk reduction in LDCs have fallen considerably short of meeting needs. And there's also recognition of how climate change impacts are becoming more acute by the minute, resulting in food insecurity and malnutrition, water stress, quality and scarcity, land degradation, biodiversity loss, melting of glaciers, ocean acidification, so on and so forth. So changes in the access to and availability of water resources are disrupting hydroelectric generation and putting industrial production and basic services at increased risk, while sanitation and wastewater management it remain a source of concern. There's therefore an urge towards least developed countries and support them through strengthening partnerships, global coordination and cooperation to adopt an all-hazard, multi-sectoral and coordinated approach in preparedness for health emergencies, recognizing the links between human, plant, animal health and the shared environment and the need for a One Health approach. There's therefore a commitment to reducing the vulnerability of LDCs to economic, environmental shocks and natural hazards, especially those related to climate change, and therefore enhancing their ability to meet this and other challenges for enhanced adaptive capacity and resilience. So building adaptive capacity and resilience lies at the core of the Doha program of action, as we've seen in previous chapters and previous episodes, in line with the provisions contained in international agreements on climate change, disaster risk reduction, and the environment. So this first section really looks into the specificities and the unique, the adverse effects that all these different shocks, be it natural-based or human-based, have on LDCs and their populations, and the need to walk the talk, especially when it comes to investments. And as you know, from the NCO standpoint, we are the forefront of making finance work for LDCs and catalyze investment on that through our different facilities and different solutions. So the Doha program of action recognizes that as well as the efforts that us UNCDF, as well as the wider UN family and the rest of development partners have committed to in order to help LDCs reach their goals and reach, in this case, resilience to shocks. So let's look into the key action areas, shall we? The first one is the building the sustainable and inclusive recovery from COVID-19 and resilience against future shocks. So. There's an estimate around projection around how long it would take for LDCs to recover and to their pre-COVID-19 crisis level of per capita GDP. And this would take three to five years or more. And how climate change and environmental degradation threaten to further impede recovery efforts even longer. So in terms of key areas and key targets, we must support timely access to safe, effective, affordable COVID-19 vaccines as reference to the COVAX initiative 
and COVAX facility and other relevant initiatives to vaccinate all eligible individuals against COVID-19 with a target of 70% of the population in LDCs by May 2022, as recommended by the World Health Organization. There's a target of ensuring equitable and affordable access for all to save quality, efficacious, effective, accessible, affordable COVID-19 vaccines, the promotion and encourage on technology transfer and the support towards supply and conservation environment and the distribution of vaccines, showing adequate domestic international support to strengthen inclusive social protection systems and address current poverty and vulnerability and future shocks. There's also the need towards raising awareness and heighten the level and uh, frequency of those campaigns about the benefits of COVID-19 vaccination. And it was ensuring widespread testing and tracing, as well as the promotion of strong health systems and regulatory authorities that ensure universal access to healthcare in LDCs in view of addressing current and future shocks. Let's look at what the M member states are committed to taking in relation to those key targets. So they commit to supporting the implementation of the statement dated 28th of April 2020 of the group of least developed countries on the coronavirus disease and a similar package for the LDCs and what that entailed, both financially, as well as from a development and uh, technical support and technical assistance standpoint. And uh, recognition of the role of extensive immunization against COVID-19 as a global public good for health to prevent, contain and stop transmission in order to bring the pandemic to an end. And therefore facilitating and supporting COVAX facility to do so promptly. There's also a stress among member states that vaccinations need to be supported with essential complementary measures to minimize the loss of lives and morbidity from the COVID-19 pandemic, whilst urging development partners to provide least developed countries with treatment protocols, vaccines, and essential health technologies and their components, including through the Access to COVID-19 Tools Accelerator Act Accelerator, and the TRIPS agreement uh, and public health that recognizes the intellectual property rights that should be interpreted, implemented in a manner supportive of the right of member states to protect public health, not vice versa. There's also support towards equitable and effective quality and safe vaccines to vaccinate all eligible populations in LDCs promptly as well as a commitment to provide access for all to COVID-19 vaccines, therapeutics, and diagnostics, while strengthening inclusive social protection systems in the least developed countries to address current poverty and vulnerability and future shocks. There's also a recognition and a call upon development partners at large in a spirit of global solidarity, international cooperation among governments, Partnerships with international organizations, IFI, civil society, the private sector to provide financial and in-kind support to LDCs, such as direct budgetary support or project type interventions, as well as increase the resources of relevant regional and multilateral emergency financing facilities 
is the condition of access to these facilities. So there's also uh, a further reference to a social protection mechanisms, social safety nets to protect the poorest and most vulnerable, providing the right support in the form of cash or food and other basic needs to at least 350 million people living in extreme poverty in the least of our countries. In this regard, there's an encouragement upon governments and development partners at large to provide funds for social protection, including to those living in extreme poverty in least developed countries. There's then a commitment to ensuring the stimulus measures are aligned with those greater agreements and those wider commitments and uh, conventions that we've made reference to earlier including the 2030 gender, the Paris Agreement and the Sandai framework to ensure a speedy and fast recovery and build back better from the COVID-19 pandemic, whilst building resilience that is embedded within nature-based solutions, sustainable agriculture, resilient infrastructure, and most importantly, and also catalytic concessional financing for MSMEs as the cornerstone of, you know, economic transformation, especially in LDC economies, as well as innovative financing instruments, such as green bonds and sustainable development gold bonds, and as well as incentives for private investments in sustainable opportunities, such as affordable renewable energies, waste management, supply chains, and safe, smart, and sustainable mobility. There's then a commitment to announcing cooperation at the national, regional, and global levels to address antimicrobial resistance, as well as a reference to the One Health discourse that we talked about before. I think there's a very interesting element here that is not typical looking at addressing the immediate humanitarian needs that the COVID-19 pandemic brought about, but also looking at more of a recovery pathway and how we really need to look at the different facets that make up the society to really ensure that the recovery pathways for LDCs especially not only respond to their specific needs and their unique abilities and unique constraints, but also that takes stock of the innovations that within the development community at large we are including and we are like testing out in other contexts, in other settings that may be applicable to LDCs and how concessional financing can really drive that transformation that is so needed and bring about investments and incentives to private sector partners to invest directly in sustainable opportunities in these emerging economies. Moving on, we're talking about climate adaptation to another, we're looking into a new action area within this chapter. And I'm referring to climate adaptation, building resilience, including sustainable management of natural resources. Whilst progress has been made in the process to formulate and implement national adaptation plans and implementing the Sendai framework, LDCs often lack the resources and capacity to address critical needs. Adaptation and resilience in food systems, including in the sectors of agriculture, manufacturing, social protection services and livestock, are of prime importance for least developed countries and have major implications for food security, nutrition, livelihoods, 
especially of the most vulnerable in society and employment. Water resources already face multiple pressures and are highly sensitive to climate change impacts, such as the drying up of sources, disruption in rainfall patterns, and increased frequency of both extreme and slow onset events, which rainfalls already existing trends in land degradation and desertification. Importantly, localization of climate action, including support for local governments and building resilient communities, is extremely important as they understand local needs and are on the front line of climate change adaptation action and assisted risk reduction, response and recovery. In this sense, critical infrastructure services such as transport, water and electricity remain highly unreliable and vulnerable to extreme climate events. Therefore, measures to restore and improve the sustainable management of key natural resources such as water and lands, as well as biodiversity, urgently needed. And here, there's a recognition of some enablers, some ongoing solutions that can really bring about and support the adaptation efforts that LDCs may need to, to really respond effectively and sustainably to the adverse effects of climate change and others. And here we are referring to the Green Climate Funds, as well as the existing measures and initiatives, such as the National Adaptation Plan Global Network and our own UNCDF Local Climate Adaptive Living Facility, which is really a locally led, locally owned, LDC owned mechanism to drive adaptation at the local level. And I really invite you all to look into this dedicated website, uncdf.org slash local to find out more, or even listen to one of our episodes with Minister Dibba that discusses how local has helped drive adaptation to climate change at the local level in the Gambia thus far. Moving on to deciphering Doha and looking into the targets to address climate adaptation, to bring about actually climate adaptation. I build resilience and um, these include support to the full formulation implementation of national adaptation plans, really seizing the opportunities that initiatives like a local, the local climate adaptive living facility of UNCTF have. There's also the development and strengthening of national regional platforms and strategies for disaster risk reduction to fully seize the aspirations of the Sandai framework for disaster risk reduction and the need to support and reinforce the existing comprehensive multi-hazard early warning system and comprehensive multi-hazard crisis mitigation resilience building measures for LDCs, as well as support long-term strategies under the Paris Agreement. In terms of commitments from the international community at large, we see continuing support for LDCs and to LDCs around GNFCCC related programs and additional complementary means, as well as commitment to strengthening action for climate empowerment in least developed countries through the development of training programs, focusing on climate change education at all levels. 
We also commit to providing technical assistance to LDCs that is so necessary to develop operational national risk information systems that support policymaking and decision-making by all stakeholders, including the private sector. And uh, an announcement of support to LDCs in strengthening the national statistical and planning offices and other relevant authorities for systematic collection of data and make informed decisions on that to also then underline the need for reinforcing early warning systems and recognizing the Sendai framework for disaster risk reduction as a key instrument to build resilience against and mitigate the impacts of various shocks. And there's a commitment to making the best use of existing initiatives going forward. There's also a call for public, private, domestic, international investment, as well as bilateral and multilateral support to be climate resilient risk-informed and aligned with national and local adaptation to minimize and address loss and damage associated with the adverse impacts of climate change. And lastly, a commitment to enhancing international cooperation and technical assistance support to least developed countries so that they can urgently and significantly take action to reduce the degradation of natural habitats and land degradation and loss of territory, halt biodiversity loss and prevent extinction of threatened species. Moving on to another key action area is the access to finance and technology to address climate change. And here, the Doha Programme of Action truly recognizes the importance of adequacy and predictability when it comes to adaptation finance and makes a direct call to scale up the provision of climate finance technology transfer and capacity development for adaptation to the least developed countries as a key enabler to make sure that the LDCs themselves can address climate change effectively. There's therefore a recognition of the challenges embedded within least developed countries to gain direct access to international public finance, owing to a lack of technical capacity and the call for support or provision of assistance to LDCs in preparing backable projects and creating enabling environments. And we encourage for the efforts to enhance access to finance for that. And here, these two dimensions, there's really lots of examples that we've talked about in not only in the Road to Doha, but more largely within our podcasts. And we try to raise awareness on those and making sure that they at the forefront to the latest development, but also they enable LDCs access, not only vertical funds, so which are really important when it comes to climate change as the Doha program of action highlights. And there's, for example, the local climate adapting living facility that does that, especially for providing technical assistance and including and others, as well as, uh, you know, performance-based reimbursable grants to ensure that this technical capacity that is often perceived as lacking amongst LDCs. Also making sure this announcement of access to finance for LDCs at large within other elements that are embedded within the structural transformation that we've talked about and the Doha program of action has talked about itself. So looking at SMEs, infrastructures, etc., making sure that they have those bankable projects that can attract uh, private sector investment to bring about this recovery that even here in this chapter is highlighted as so needed to move forward. 
Let's talk about the targets for this key action area around finance. So there's a recognition of the outcomes of COP26 and the Glasgow Climate Pact around mobilizing together $100 billion in climate finance per year and scale up support for developing countries, including the list of our countries. The provision of scaled up financial resources that should be intended to achieve a balance between adaptation and mitigation, taking into account country-driven strategies. There's the need for, in, there's a target to increase the climate finance provided for adaptation and resilience, in particular for vulnerable countries, including least developed countries, and continue to support to existing facilities and irrelevant funds to ensure that is maintained, including a green climate fund and so on. In terms of commitments on behalf, like by the international community, we see the recognition, you know, the welcoming of the parties urging developed country parties to deliver in full on the hundred billion goal that we've talked about and through to 2025 and the importance of ensuring transparency in the implementation of their pledges. There's also the needs and the recall on the Paris Agreement to provide scaled-up financial resources that should be intended to achieve a balance between adaptation and mitigation, as well as welcoming the decisions of the board of the Green Climate Fund to aim for such balance to be achieved as soon as possible. There's also a commitment to increase the effectiveness and efficiency of funding to climate-related multilateral funds, especially when it comes to improving access to all these funds for LDCs. And there's a call for greater efforts to improve access accordingly to make sure that no one is left behind. There's then looking into the development and supporting its developed countries to develop approaches dealing with adaptation, including nature-based solutions, ecosystem-based approaches and adaptation in cities, as well as looking how to make sure that all these different solutions are inclusive of disproportionately affected segments of society, including women, young people, children, persons with disabilities, indigenous peoples, especially at the local level. There's then for an increase in the continued announcement of regional cooperation and support to make sure that also, and most importantly, regional transboundary climate risks associated with supply and value chains are addressed, as well as requesting all entities within the wider international development finance architecture and the national development system, including the United Nations system. IFIs, development banks, private sector foundation to continue to support LDCs in formulating and implementing national adaptation plans and strategies. NDCs, as well as national disaster risk reduction strategies to advance mitigation adaptation. Moving on, there's a continued investment in a call for gender responsive prevention and risk reduction including risk-informed resilient infrastructure and public services, and in the adoption of legislation and policies and standards that regulate and incentivize investors and companies to adopt a risk-informed approach that enables monitoring regulatory authorities to incorporate the impact of disaster and climate risks into the regulatory and policy frameworks, including the Sendai framework for disaster risk reduction mentions 
that relate. So that's, that's then a commitment to providing significant support to existing climate and disaster risk finance and insurance, including the African Risk Capacity Agency, the Pacific Catastrophe Risk Insurance Company, as well as the developing and enhancing the capacity of existing instruments like the locale that we've discussed to provide risk insurance and guarantees for where they are most needed, as well as the support to climate adaptation where it's most needed at the local level. Lastly, there's a commitment to providing financial and technical assistance and facilitating technology transfer, as well as a call to action for the private sector, including banks, institutional investors, to support ESG issues and to take climate change and biodiversity into consideration in their investment decisions when it comes to especially the least developed countries. That's it. This important chapter is done. We have looked at all the different facets and the different dimensions that come into play when thinking about climate change. And we looked at concrete targets and commitments by the international community at large within the Doha Program of Action to address climate change, environmental degradation, and support the recovery from COVID-19 pandemic whilst building resilience against future shocks and uh, making sure that those strategies and modalities are inclusive of all that leave no one behind and put disproportionately affected segments of society, especially women, youth, persons of disabilities at the forefront, whatever response we bring forward in our shock responsive social protection systems, for example. I thank you for joining me and the rest of the team working on the Road to Doha, as well as Capital Musings, your NCDF podcast, where we focus on fresh ideas that make finance work for the poor in the least developed countries, and where we support the achievement of the Doha program of action over the next 10 years. If you like this episode, please give it a thumbs up, share it on your social media, leave a comment using the hashtag Capital Musings or directly causing me at Tanfioni be happy to provide responses. If you have any comments as well as suggestions, or you have interest on a particular aspect that directly affects LDCs that you'd like us to talk through about and to talk more about, please feel free and do not hesitate to reach out. We're happy to support. And we're almost done with this Cypher in Doha. There's going to be only one last episode where we're going to be looking at the next steps. This doesn't mean that we're not going to be talking about the Doha program of action. We will be, and we will continue to do so, as this is a little bit of a blueprint as to what we must do and what we must be looking at going forward. So stay tuned, and you will hear from me next week with another episode of Cafes and Musings and the Suffering Doha and the Road to Doha. Thank you for joining us today. And thanks to our audience for joining us on UNCDF podcast, Capital Musings. Once again, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, and our dedicated website, podcast.uncdf.org. If you found this episode useful, please leave us a review. Reviews help us and new listeners discover our podcast. Thanks, and until next time. <laughs>